Looks like we're live. Hi, everybody. Hi there, Nathan. How you doing? Pretty good. Glad it's Friday. Oh, yes. You you and me both, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey, John. Hi, John. How, how are you doing? You? I'm doing good. I, I also am glad it's Friday. But that's <laughs> yeah. good. Probably everybody does. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and heading into um, heading into some fun holidays. So that's right. Excited about that. Well, um, thanks everybody for joining us. I'm Rebecca Kosis from Chia of California. We have with us Nathan Pierce from Family Protection Ministries, and our legislative liaison here at Chia, and our vice president, John McGowan. Um, and you'll find us here every fourth Friday of the month talking about freedom issues that pertain specifically um, to um, parental rights, religious liberties, and homeschooling in California. So thanks for joining us. And um, gosh, Nathan, let's go ahead and get started with you because we need some updates. And I'm I'm hoping we have some good news, but um, <laughs> at least we have some, maybe you have some action steps for us. Yeah, I, I have some action. And I think the good news that I have is that I've seen more people um, active on some of this legislation than I've seen in a long time. So it's, that's, that's been a, a, a bit of encouragement for me. So, um, let me jump in and I'll just give updates on some bills, no, nothing new here in terms of, um, bills that we're talking about. These are all bills we've discussed before. Okay. Um, so I'll start with AB 957, which is that bill that is in the context of custody disputes, Right. Um, this bill addresses how a judge would need to take into consideration how each parent views their child's gender identity. So, um, and, and would take that into consideration when making determinations about um, granting custody and would take that into consideration on determining what's in the best interest of the child. And um, I think uh, for, if, for the immediate impact, it's it's a threat in to the families dealing with custody battles and gender issues. But in the future, I think it could have a significant impact on the family in general, uh, specifically with regard to uh, parents and their view about gender identity and the state saying, hey, you have to have our view if you want us to take your side on anything. And uh, so that's a bit scary. That's AB 957. And that bill particularly, uh, that bill is right now in the second house and it's in the Senate third reading file, which means that it's in its last step in the legislature before it goes to the governor's office. So um, it would have to have all, uh, it would have to have a vote by all the senators and it would need a majority vote in the Senate for it to pass. So we can be praying that it wouldn't pass. And also you can call your senators um, because it's your California state senators that are going to be voting on this. So um, we'll definitely include a link in the comments uh, that will show you how to find your state senator. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so, so that's AB 957. It's in the Senate. I've, I've got a question about that, Nathan. Yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking the judge judges make this decision correct yes they're bound by this law then yeah regardless of whether they agree with it or not where's what about their conscience 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Right now, a judge can take this into consideration if he wants to. There's nothing barring a judge right now from taking these things into consideration mm-hmm. and for evaluating these things. But this bill would force a judge to to add these into his um, evaluation process and consider each parent's um, gather basically gather information and evaluate each parent's perspective on the child's gender identity let me add to that i mean it does not it does more than that i mean it doesn't just say a judge should consider this it tells the judge what the conclusion of that of that consideration should be meaning that deference must be given to the parent who is going to affirm the child. So it's not as if this is a fact that is, you know, hap- you know, this family is dealing with this issue and the parents are having a disagreement and the judge is asked to then look at the totality of, you know, that situation and then make a determination. Uh, the judge is being directed as to which way the wind blows, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And there has been a, um, there was a change in how the bill was drafted originally um, that I think makes it even worse than what it was originally. You know, this is a change to the family code. And uh, originally um, this consideration, you know, was added to the code that a judge shall consider and you know positively so towards the toward the parent that is going to affirm the child and that wording was was moved over to another section in the same code but under the heading of what's uh health safety and welfare of the child so it, this is now considered a health and safety and welfare issue. Okay, it is it is now going to codify in in the law that affirming or not affirming um, your child's you know gender um, you know choice um, is potentially going to if you if you disagree with your your child um, potentially that that can now be deemed you know, not in the child's, you as the parent are now going against the child's health, safety, and welfare because it was moved over into that section of the law. So, you know, and we've talked about this bill a lot because it's it's obviously, you know, everybody can tell, we think it's important. And it's, and it's important not just for, you know, I hope that you know, nobody you know is in this specific situation where you're going through a custody battle and you're dealing with, you know, this issue as a family. But you know, these things don't operate in a vacuum. You know, even if it's even if you know we've heard the the folks in support of this. Oh, this is just for this situation. This is you know this is isolated. This only gives you know a judge and a custody to d- dispute you know, this, um, this power. Um, But once the state starts saying that it is our policy, affirming this 
affirming this issue in a child, not disagreeing, having a different view, having frankly a biblical view is not in the, the best health, safety, and welfare interest of a child. We don't want that policy anywhere because, right. you know, as we know, those things tend to bleed over and tend to influence other situations and tend to embolden uh, changes in other laws. And so when we see a bad policy, um, especially one that is going to be damaging for children, and it it, it is because right. this is damaging for children. This is yeah. not a best interest of children. You know, we need to speak up and it is not isolated to, it will not be isolated to the custody situations that they're trying to say, well, it just, it never works that way. We do not want the policy of the state to, to be this. And right. It will never, you know, once you make those type of changes, they never stay in the box that they <laughs> process they're going to stay in. It just right. doesn't happen. We know that. So that's why we're so fired up about it. Yeah. I, this, oh, go ahead, Nathan. I was going to ask you, John. So is it fair to say that, say this goes on to the books in January, if this were to go on the books in January of next year and a case is before a judge in January even, where a family that's not in a custody dispute, I'm just talking a family that's dealing with a child with a gender identity issue and there's some kind of a conflict and the child is trying to get their way or maybe it's some other relative or a school official trying to get their way could a judge look at this code and say well it says it's the state's policy over here why isn't it over here we should just use it here isn't that wouldn't that be reasonable uh, that's the fear, right? I mean, it yeah. is, you know, just because now, you know, there is not, this isn't in, um, there, there is no, you know, crime attached to this code. I mean, that is correct. You know, this is not, you know, there is no, oh, if you, if you don't do this, you're going to jail or, you know, that's not in here, but laws in certain code sections affect other laws all the time, as we know, right? Yeah. And, you know, by, say, by, by saying, you know, the legislature is now saying that the, the health, safety, and welfare of the child, I mean, that's the words that they use, you know, yeah. Yeah. are affected by this and, and are saying how, uh, you know, the determination is supposed to be made. I'm confident in saying that there will be uh, unintended consequences. I say unintended. I don't know if they're unintended or not, but there will be consequences that they are, that we are being told we are being foolish for being worried about. There right. will be. Now, I can't predict what setting that will be, you know, uh, but like you said, Nathan, I mean, even if it's what a, a school dispute or some kind of dispute in another setting or you know, a factor that is quoted, you know, in a legal brief or in an opinion that, you know, is relating to something else in a different setting, but used to bolster, you know, a decision in a different setting. It will, I think it will be used in those ways. And it's hard, it's hard to predict how it will be used. This is announcing a public policy in the state 
that is uh, that is new. It is that is clearly saying again that they are defining uh, how they want to view this issue as as far as a safety issue, a child welfare issue. Yeah. So it will um, it will be used in in ways that we don't know. And I'm, I'm you know I wish that wasn't true. I wish I didn't believe that. I <laughs> I hold out hope that it won't. But right. my prediction is that it will be. Well, it makes me think of if AB 665 passes, you know, that enables 12-year-old minors to consent to counseling and residential housing without parental consent or approval. I mean, if if that passes and a parent were to protest, yeah. um, there's already this, this other law, you know, that if they're not affirming this child wants to leave the home because mom or dad doesn't want to affirm my, my identity, um, and the parents cry foul. Excellent, Rebecca. You that was a you. you I don't. You're a seasoned attorney for coming up, <laughs> and better than me because I couldn't think of it that quick. But yeah, that's a very good example of the type of situation that that could arise. Right? It doesn't need to be a criminal setting, or it doesn't need to. It, there are other situations, Rebecca. You, that was perfect. And there, there's probably there's others that we haven't thought of. You know yeah. that. This happens in the law all the time. I, in my practice, I cite other laws all the time as guidance for arguing that you know something else should apply a different way or what. It, lawyers do this all the time. Courts do this all the time. It's not yeah. is not uncommon. It's very common that it, when, when we're arguing over a specific statute or case law that we pull in, you know, other uh, examples. It happens all the time, and it will happen. And that just gives me gives me chills in not a good way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, so, go ahead, Nathan. I'm sorry. It's uh, it's uh, nearly impossible for us to have sort of any real impact in a courtroom where a judge is making a decision and it's on his plate to decide. But if we are able to have an impact on the policy before it's made and put into the judge's toolbox that's that's where we are able to have an impact on on what happens in a courtroom is is now when that policy is is in the legislature and and about to be voted on so we all need to contact our senators yep yeah, that's right yeah. okay all right and nathan i know you wanted to talk about a couple of other pieces of legislation yeah yeah um so uh, one of the other bills that we've been um, monitoring and, and telling people to, to call on is AB 1057, which has to do with bringing in uh, social workers into the homes of, of new parents uh, with an infant to teach them how to parent, tell them how to parent. Um, and, and that bill, AB 1057, is in the Senate Appropriations Committee. So it's um, nearing the end also of its run through the legislature. So you can call your senator senator on that one as well, because the next step after the Senate Appropriations Committee will be the Senate floor and all senators will vote on that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's AB 1057. So that means can they, the Appropriations Committee basically says we can or we can't afford this, is that? Correct, yes. Yeah. So what do you think, can California afford that? And we know they can't. Uh, <laughs> We, I mean, even looking at the social workers that they've got and the jobs that those 
people are doing right now, they're overwhelmed and mm -hmm. they've just got their hands full already. So um, I don't know how, I can't imagine how, how they might envision handling this kind of bill. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, but you're right. It is the, uh, it is the committee that decides how much money they have to spend or says how much money they have to spend. I should say that. Um, uh, and, and the last one I wanted to mention today uh, is SB 407, and that's the bill. Um, it just passed a policy committee this week, um, and it deals with foster parents and the um, statement that they have to, they would have to sign saying that they would affirm uh, the gender identity of any and everyone that they might uh, have as a, as a foster parent, uh, any foster children that they might have either now or in the future, if they can't sign a statement of beliefs about uh, agreeing with the state on their policy of gender ideology, then they will not be allowed to be foster parents. Mm -hmm. um, even whether it's new foster parents or existing foster parents, this is going to um, have a tremendous impact because um, both immediately and, and long term. And immediately, this bill would be um, probably, it'll, it would be dividing who is and who will not be allowed to be foster parents anymore based on that and that alone, that, that policy, that statement of belief about gender ideology. And so if you look at, and I don't have the exact numbers, it's kind of difficult to get them, um, but people that are foster parents currently in California, there's a huge number of them that wouldn't sign on to this. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at having a tremendous impact on the number of, of foster parents that we'll even have in California after this. Mm -hmm. um, so it puts, it puts a big burden on the state and to, to have more foster children into, in group homes, which is not not an ideal situation. And um, I know Tom Lack uh, Assemblyman Tom Lackey spoke on that issue in committee this week. Um, it's very concerning that this would get passed through. And I'm concerned about the future of, like we were just talking about, how a bill can have other implications outside of the box that it was written for. This bill could have uh, far-reaching implications for every parent, not just far foster parents. Mm -hmm. um, having the state write up this statement of beliefs about gender and telling parents to sign it, and if you disagree with it, you can't be a foster parent, that could easily sort of bleed into the arena of any parent, I think. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really dangerous to mm -hmm. have the state have a policy like this. Um, and that bill's right now, it's in the uh, Assembly Appropriations Committee. So it's it's not quite its last step, but it will have to get voted on in the Appropriations Committee in the Assembly and then also um, go to the uh, Assembly floor for all 80 Assembly members. So you can call your Assembly member on, on SB 407. Okay. Now, you said they need to affirm the child's identity, but then you also said the parents need, well, they need to be willing to affirm and the parents need to sign on to the state's policy. So where does willing to, is willing to affirm a child's identity? Are we talking about more than 
a foster mom and dad having a child come into their home who's a girl who wants to have male pronouns wants to change her name to a boy and say okay we'll call you bob you know and give you the best loving care we can um are we talking about more than that i mean we all have had kids with crazy notions uh, and i i don't mean to minimize anything but as we have seen, you know, and we're seeing more and more numbers about children with gender dysphoria who change their minds. So are they talking about more than humoring the kids when you say affirm? Uh, yeah, um, in fact, it says in the bill that they would be required, the parents would be required to make every service that is available by the state of California available to that child to help them with their gender identity and okay. so first of all uh, there's so many services available in california how would a parent even be able to to know all of them that are available but to then just tell a parent you are required to make every one of these services available to those kids mm -hmm. that's it's a pretty broad sweeping um and 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 that would include counseling for whatever it is that the child says they have, mm -hmm. um, including uh, there's there's a lot in there that they're required to provide for the child um, in terms of services. Okay. So it's it's that that part too is kind of disturbing. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I can see how this policy would bleed over into their biological children. You know. Yeah that seems like that would be the next step but you know who knows yes. yeah yeah it's 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 interesting how and and we were just talking about this you brought in 665 also ab 665 the minor uh counseling there's there's so many of these bills right now i've never seen so many bills that undermine parents authority happening all at once we've seen them here and there before um, on average, a couple a year, probably, maybe uh, getting this far, certainly. And yet, right now, there are so many bills that are undermining the authority of the biblical family. It's, it's really bizarre. It's, it's um, very concerning. And there's so many, I, I can imagine it being, I mean, it's hard for me to know which one to focus on today, you know, because there's just so many. Right. So, right. We try to break it down to see which ones are are ready for their next step so that we can give you a, a clear action item on but mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot going on right now that's under undermining parents authority and it kind of comes back to how did these people get elected <laughs> yeah yeah i don't i don't know anybody and i realize that i'm of, of a particular persuasion i mean i'm a born-again christian and and have been for many many years so the majority of my peers and you know uh, we're like-minded of course but um it's it's scary to me honestly guys when i look at this and i, I think how Cal, Cal, they used to talk about you know an earthquake in california falling into the ocean and part of me feels like if god doesn't strike california with lightning you know and judgment and wrath i you know it just is it behooves me i thank god for his grace and his mercy but we as people of faith need to fall on our face before the Lord, because this is, these are scary times.
yeah. but I, but I know you know you talked about it. Who put these people in office? That's a that's a really good question. As I said, I'm from a little corner of the California. John, maybe you've got some more insight on that. Well, you know, there a little bit of a silver lining, maybe, mm -hmm. um, is there is a recent poll out by Rasmussen came out uh, June earlier this month, June twelfth, I think, and. Um, you know, as we've talked about so so much recently, um, you know, we are in the midst of, I think, a clear cultural shift regarding parental rights, right? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, to your point, Nathan, you know, that is why we are seeing so much, you know, in our legislature and different legislatures, but cult just culturally, we are dealing with this issue of who do um, you know, who do children belong to? I mean, that's yeah. something that was assumed, um, you know, a hundred years ago, heck, three years ago, five <laughs> yeah, years ago. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we are seeing that shift. Um, and so Rasmussen in California, it was a California-based poll, went out and asked um, Californians, um, you know, what they thought about some of these issues. And we just got the results back, um, like I said, a couple of weeks ago. And I find it encouraging in one respect and a little bit odd and, and discouraging in another, and I'll explain. But let me just rattle off for you some of um, the results here. And again, these are focused on questions regarding uh, parental rights and um, you know authority over children. Um, 82% of California voters disagreed with the statement, a person loses their parental rights when their child enters a public school. Okay, 82% disagreed with that. 84% of California voters would support a local law that required parents to be notified of any major change in a child's physical, mental, or emotional health. Um, 69% supported notifying their parents if a child in school requested to be identified as a, as a gender that didn't align with their biological sex. 69% on that issue. You know, this is California. You know, these are California families and voters that we're talking about. Um, 90, 91% said that parents, not the government, have the bigger responsibility to raise a child. 64% um, of California voters disagreed with President Biden's recent statement that we talked about before, <laughs> that there's no such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. 64% of Californians said, no, that doesn't sound right to me. You know, and like I said, the one that really stood out, you know, 91%, thank God, still believe that, you know, parents are, um, you know, ultimately um, those in authority over their children. So it's encouraged, you know, these are good, these are numbers that I'm encouraged to see in uh, California, of all places, where a little bit of discouragement comes in is like, well, why the disconnect? I mean, there's such a huge chasm, you know, between um clearly what the people think and what's going on 
in the school districts, what's going on in Sacramento. So, you know, either um, it, these are relatively new numbers because of everything that's going on. Parents are wising up and seeing this and saying, no, we're going too far. I don't want this, which, okay. Um, or the, um, you know, the folks who are making the law, the, the law or lawmakers just don't care. Um, and maybe they don't care because even though people will answer a poll this way, it doesn't translate for some reason into what they do uh, when it's time to vote. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, like I said, it's encouraging. I think this is there's some ammunition here to talk to people, maybe even, you know, have an opportunity to share these numbers with um, with legislators. Um, but there's also work to do to now, now that we know that, you know, us, you know, us four here, you know, us, or us three here that are, you know, we may not be on an island, that's great. Um, but we gotta, we gotta, you know, more work needs to be done to, to make this mean something. Right. Um, we gotta know. engage all these people now that we yeah, got out there. That's, that's right. So, yeah. um, like I said, I certainly am happy that these numbers are this way and not the other way, but I think it's a call to action um, in many respects. So, um, you know, such a wide, a wide chasm, you know, between just what families are trying to do and how they think and trying to raise their kids from day to day and what's going on in Sacramento, especially right now. Um, it's, it's just startling. Yeah. Well, I, I do wonder if there are other factors that, you know, go into decision-making when they're voting. I mean, I think of the, we have a very large Hispanic community, you know, here in California. Um, yeah. And we know that they are family-oriented people. They have strong family values, you know, and yet they may be voting more fiscally than family values. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of, there's certainly, you know, a, a lot of issues that we all consider um, when we vote. So, you know, I'm sure that there's a number of things that everybody's thinking of, but I think, um, you know, getting the word out as to, for example, these bills that we're talking about, mm -hmm. um, informing the public, letting them know how really uh, damaging and what an affront they are to their their home and their families and their children and their authority in their home, I think goes a long way. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, you know, people need to know um, and be informed. And, uh, you know, I think that we need to do, we need to help ensure that that happens and, and call people, call people to action because, um, you know, these, these things that we're facing, these bills are just nothing like we've ever seen before. Um, they are, they are bold and they are out in the open. And, um, if, if we don't push these back, I mean, what's next? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you said something, John, about, um, uh, you don't know if, if legislators, maybe they just don't care what the rest, what the rest of the people think. And it, it, 
it reminded me so this week i was in a committee here on uh for sb 407 it was uh, assembly human services committee and they were meeting in this room i think it was um 437 in the capitol building which <clears throat> i haven't been in in a while but I, I remembered a hearing that i was in in that room i think it was eight years ago seven eight years ago something like that and it was the build it was one of the bills dealing with uh, christian colleges and why uh we we shouldn't have allow Christian colleges to discriminate on the basis of um, what they believe about marriage and allowing students to come in. Yep. And I remember those. Yeah. So I was remembering something that was said in that hearing. Um, it was Shirley Weber, who's who was a legislator at the time. Now she's our secretary of state. She said, we must elevate society. She was talking this long winded thing about why it's the role of the legislature to lead the population into the next, I don't know, the next, the next level of, of self-realization, understanding, you know, the next level of uh, evolution, basically, of, of becoming the next level of where our society needs to be. And this, this year's legislation is another, is another, um, evidence of that kind of thinking that even with the numbers you're talking about they view it as their responsibility to lead all of us into the next era with this kind of set of policies and yeah. it's really fascinating yeah we, we yeah we we don't know what's good for us they have to show us and drag us no matter what and obviously you know legislators you know thank god are still elected and, and you know they do care they care what the voters you know do and then they <laughs> right I you know they they do you know they uh, on these issues obviously they've they might hear you know um people complaining but you know they keep passing and they have um you know done their calculations and and th think that they're safe and and you know, in this state, maybe they are, um, they have been, um, you know, that's why we need to be more vocal and more involved. Um, and sometimes, you know, a certain segment of, uh, you know, the populations and, and is given more deference, you know, in, in the eyes of um, the, the lawmakers, obviously, you know, yeah. so, um, you know, that that seems to be what's happening to I think they can survive the, um, you know, the political fallout. And, um, you know, it's our job to make that a harder call for them and a, and a little and more risky. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. and, and can we just say it's not time to flee the state? <laughs> <laughs> It's no. we we heard a, a legislator say that in a in a committee hearing recently where um he was talking and it, it made national news. You probably have seen it. Um yeah. where you know these bills are so bad. If 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 you have children in California, flee the state. I I totally get what he's where he's coming from. Uh -huh. I have I have frustrations myself, and I, I've never seen him, uh, Senator uh, Wilk, so frustrated in, in a committee. Um, just right there in public, he was pretty worked up, and I I can appreciate where he's coming from. Um, 
And, right. But I, I'm also appreciative of, of Senator Jones. Uh, he said at our Capitol Day um, that the fight isn't anywhere else. This is where you need to be fighting and stay and fight because um, no matter where you're at in the country, we need to be fighting for, for freedom in California because we need freedom in California. And the, what happens in California spreads too. So sure does. This junk travels, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, California is, has been my home for 59 years now, I think. And I, I love it. I, I'm unhappy with a lot of things, but I think it's worth fighting for. You know, we've talked yeah. about that. We have adult children with families of their own. And, and there's often conversation about, well, you know, maybe we should all just sell everything and head to Texas. And, you know, honestly, it's it's our home and i think i really do think it's worth fighting for and i think we have to take the stand i mean and you know from our perspective not just from for parental rights but i i think also for um you know for the next generation you know and for yeah. their uh, you know their ability to raise their children for our grandchildren's ability um it we have to remain and be that salt and light for biblical values and if we don't do it you know yeah. nobody else will and, and it doesn't stay with the family principles it's not that's not in a in a in an isolated unit either i mean it spreads to to be having freedom in your business or any other area of life yeah I think we can see how easily that these principles um, undermine society as a whole when you undermine family. Yeah, yeah. When they undermine the family, it's society as a whole. Very well said. Very well said, Nathan. Um, and, you know, you talked about having unprecedented attacks on parental rights in the legislature this year. You said this is the ugliest season you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I think we're seeing a lot more attacks on homeschooling in the media and right. by the education industrial complex. I mean, it's not just in Sacramento. It's right. in the media as well. And I, um, it just, you know, I had read an article recently about, you know, why is this happening? And honestly, I don't think we need to be surprised about yeah. why this is happening. It's happening because homeschooling works it's having a direct impact on enrollment, um, and and they when they see that attrition, you know, they're losing their authority and they're losing finances, and so I don't see, you know, as long as homeschooling continues to work, there's always there's going to continue to be attacks on it. So there's also a, you know, if you if you even going back to the. Uh, Elizabeth Bartholet article and some of these other articles that we've seen more recently, including in you know national media. Um, I think there's been another there's another law review article that came out as well. Um, talk about not hiding, you know, their opinions or the, the biases anymore. I mean, it it is. I agree with everything you just said, Rebecca. About you know, there's this threat to the public system, public school system. Um, financial issues, but they come right out and say, you know, while feigning, you know, clutching their pearls that, oh, a lot of these families are conservative Christians and, oh my goodness, they're teaching their kids those values. Yeah. And, 
you know, what's that going to mean for society? As if every other family, no matter what their worldview is, doesn't try to teach their children, you know, what their view of right and wrong and their view of how the world works and, you know, try to help their kids. Every good parent, you know, does that. So, you know, it's, who doesn't do that? You know, you know, do atheists not try to you know, raise their children? Do they not love their children? Do they not try to impart upon them, you know, their worldview? Um, So, you know, that has been, that's, that's a common theme that we're seeing is that, you know, it's not just, um, you know, this threat to the public school system, you know, who do these people think they are, you know, are they qualified, all those type of things. It is a, my goodness, these families are, they're not, you know, teaching their kids what we want them to regarding, you know, the gender issues, the, you know, gay marriage, all the, all those things, you know, it is, um, that's a big part of the attacks and the objections that we're seeing right now. I agree with, you, know? I agree with you 100%, John. I mean, they, and they even have, um, I've seen, you know, Elizabeth Bartholet in her article, um, and others, you know, the Washington Post, they always right. come down to child abuse, or um, we're, we're, you know, prop, you know, teaching our children propaganda, we're, um, we're ideologues, we are racists, we are, um, you know, sexist. And um, honestly, I think when you turn and turn the tables, we can say the same thing about our educational community, they are the ones they have just as much of an agenda of course, of course, yeah. As a parent does, but our we just happen to be disagreeing with them, so. right? Yeah, and we, yeah, that's right. And then you know we have the audacity um, to try to remove our children from that environment because we disagree in, in many respects with the ideology that is very clearly being pushed in that sector. So. Um, you know, it is a battle of the worldviews. I mean, I don't disagree um, with that, but I mean, it is, um, it's just a little too rich, uh, you know, the, again, you know, the feigned, um, you know, gasp and, oh my goodness, you know, this is, this is what these families are trying to do. Yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) And if that weren't enough, um, they always seem to land somewhere along the line on child abuse. But who's looking after the parents, right. making sure that they're not abusing their children? No. Honestly, what child abuse in public schools have doubled in the past five years? No. So I, I don't know. But the, the fear mongering is it, they always circle back around to that. When we know research shows that homeschooling is not a factor in child abuse. Um, the, the, you know, the data is already there. So I think that they're, they're looking for, they're, they're fear-mongering, basically, yeah. and, and saying, what about the kids? We've got to make sure that they're not being abused, but there's absolutely no data to support that homeschoolers abuse their children. It's not a homeschool issue. Um, you know, it's not necessarily a public school issue. I think it's a, it's a, um, what did Brian, Dr. Ray say in Nary? He said the it's a demographics issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's horrific wherever you find it. And, right. you know, nobody is disputing that, you know, certainly um, it's not us. I mean, you know, it needs to be 
uh, prosecuted and, and, you know, it's horrific, but it is, uh, again, you know, there is this, if you look at the overarching, I guess, theme that we're seeing, you know, there is a, there used to be, and maybe still is, but it's being challenged, you know, a the place that you started from was a presumption that parents in general are the most qualified, the most loving, the, in the best place to care for their children and to make decisions about their children and about their family. And all of society was organized around that. Yeah. And it is that presumption is being challenged mm-hmm. to where now every parent is a suspect without any reason. You know, that presumption is being chipped away and that is being seen in uh, so many different places. So, I mean, I really feel like that's kind of the overarching theme here mm-hmm. is that um, you know, parents are just not given that deference anymore until there's a reason not to, there was that presumption and, um, that's how it should be. And that has, again, that's how successful societies have, an or- have organized themselves. Um, every, every example it has, has been that over the years. I mean, we have seen, you know, societies flip that on their head, communist countries and socialist countries where, you know, the government takes over, you know, that role for everybody. And, you know, um, uh, families are, you know, looked at um, with suspect and, you know, it's, it's not a way to run a society and it does huge damage to society and families. And fortunately, um, you know, we're seeing that presumption, you know, under attack here. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. As tragic as it is. So, you know, so we talked a little bit about, you know, that 94% and why is there such a chasm between what parents say they believe and what's actually happening in Sacramento. Um, And, you know, we at Chia have something called the um, support network. And it's actually very key in our advocacy role here in California, especially getting the word out. Nathan, do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of that? Yeah. Yeah. Let me just first mention what the support network is. Um, it, it's a it's a network of, of leaders, of groups throughout the state of California that are all pulling in the same direction when it comes to parents being able to raise their children and educating them um, it's 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 a group it's a network of homeschool groups that are pulling the same direction and care about these same freedoms and the leaders in this network can rely on one another and they can build relationships within that network and they can lean on the whole network to uh, get answers to questions to help each other through the the leadership issues that each one of them all of us deal with um but it's also, it's, it's more than that, it's also a place where uh, information can be disseminated quickly to the leadership of groups throughout the state of California. And that's really important because when we come to battles over freedom, 
that are statewide in California, sometimes we have to get information out very quickly and we need to make sure it's covering all of the state. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so those, so the support network is a means by which it's it's an infrastructure by which that information can get disseminated to groups throughout the state and leaders can then instruct and, and train and teach the people in their group and disseminate inf information very quickly so that the whole state is covered with information about what's going on in the battle so that people can have an impact so that everybody can be involved as quickly as possible. Right. And um, sometimes when that network isn't um, as healthy as it should be, we end up with holes in the state where that portion of the state is not getting the information about the battles. Um, and we've actually had this problem before. We we had this problem back um, in 2018. We've talked about this before, where we had a, a statewide battle going on for the very uh, life of homeschooling as we know it in California. And there were portions of the state, uh, you experienced one of them, Rebecca, where you went and spoke it to a group and they, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know there was a battle happening. Right. It was It was surreal. In my slideshow, I put up AB 2756. It was ABSB. I don't remember now. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I got a lot of blank stares. A yeah. hundred, room full of 100 homeschoolers who knew nothing about what I was talking about. And, and this was something that was critical to the survival of homeschooling in California. And yet there were portions of the state that were not engaged in the battle. And right. so a part of what Shia does with the support network is get that information out there, make sure that these leaders are being um, educated about what's going on, um, about the battles, about what they can do, about how their group can be involved, about how individuals in their group can be involved. And so the support network needs to be healthy before the next battle. We can't wait till then to start working on building up the support network so that it's there. Mm -hmm. um, just like my job, I can't just start working on legislation when I hear that there's something bad happening. I have to be ready to go all year round so that when somebody is talking about writing legislation in between Christmas and New Year's, I can take the call and, and help them through how to not step into a bad position or cause us a whole bunch of trouble. Mm -hmm. So we have to be always preparing ahead of time for when these battles happen. And that means we have to be um, engaging in uh, being part of the preparation for the battle by making sure that our groups are all connected together and that our leaders throughout the state of California are all connected together and part of this infrastructure so that we can have a healthy uh, network through the state for when that battle does come. Because it will come. We all know that. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen today just a sampling of mm -hmm. the parental rights attacks that we are seeing right now, and that's not going away. They'll keep coming in in greater force. So we need to be ready now. We need to be ready um, every day to be be able to know how to respond when that next battle hits. So um, being part of that support network is something that a group can do, and a, a leader needs to do that from that group. Um, to engage and be part of that with Chia so that we can make sure that every part of the state is reached. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And 
uh, if you're not sure if your group is a part of the network, I'll go ahead and put a link in our comments and you can go ahead and check there. Uh, and um, if it's not, um, ask your group leader to join. I'll also put information on, um, on how to join. And I think, um, Nathan, I'll put the link to the article you just wrote. Okay. Um, in the support network news on the comments as well. That way, um, any anybody should be able to get the information that they need. Um, and I would just say, if you're a group leader and you're watching this, you know the benefits for you in your you know supporting and encouraging and equipping you in your ministry are, um, you know, are, um, uh, you know, that's paramount. It's one of our, one of the reasons for the existence of the network is to support you as a leader. Um, so, um, you know, be thinking and praying about that. And um, we have a leadership conference coming up, as a matter of fact, July 13th at Calvary Chapel Downey. So um, if you're interested, we'd love to have you join us there. Um, and that just happens to be the preclude to our parenting and homeschool conference that takes place July 13th through 15th at Calvary Chapel Downey. Um, and I, it's just around the corner. I can't believe how quickly it's yeah. coming up. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing all of our homeschool friends there. Looking forward to seeing you, Nathan, and you, John, as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's always great. It's a, it's a good time of fellowship and uh, togetherness. Uh, there's a lot of great information and vendors. And uh, yeah. of course, you know, there's a lot there to um uh, you know take in and learn and, and however um for me and my family uh, i think that just being together with you guys and the rest of the community the homeschool community and and friends that you know sometimes we see them once a year at the convention it's just a it's a very sweet time of fellowship and my wife jillian and i often say it's it's kind of like a a retreat, you know, a family retreat for us to, to have those few days um, with everybody. So I just really encourage, um, you know, other families, if, if, you, if you're thinking about going or just hearing about it for the first time, um, you will not regret it. Um, step out. We'd love to talk to you and see you there. And I think that you will be blessed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, and I just have one other item, one other event I wanted to talk about. And I realize this is 2014, I'm sorry, 2024, uh, but Capital Day is coming up in January 17th at William Jessup University. So um, we've talked about advocacy. Um, Capital Day is a great time to be trained for advocacy and you actually get to go meet your representatives or you get to go to their offices. I shouldn't say you get to meet your representatives. I haven't met an actual representative in the office yet, but um, you'll get to meet and let them uh, and just inform them about homeschooling. So um, you'd be just kind of pencil that in on your calendar and, you know, Lord willing, you can join us in January up in Sacramento. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so gentlemen, that's it for us today. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate all of your hard work, the research that you do and the impact that you're having on the lives of families in California. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks, you Rebecca. All right. You gentlemen have a wonderful weekend. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye.